Hey guys, welcome to Thrive Bites, the official podcast of Dr. Colin Zhu, aka The Chef Doc. On every episode, I talk with health and wellness experts from all over the world, such as doctors, chefs, dietitians, coaches, and many more. And I sit down with them and have casual conversations about plant-based lifestyle, how to elevate our emotional resilience, and what it really means to thrive. And I bring all of this to you. So let's get to this week's episode. So we are on air. I'm going to put on some sound effects. Wait for it. (laughs) Did you hear that? (laughs) This is great. The crowd crowd goes wild. I know. The crowd goes wild. Um, all right, so we are going to start. We are on air right now um, here at Thrive Bites, uh, made possible by Podbean. I want to thank my podcast hosting, and uh, thank you so much for coming on to the show, um, my good, dear friend, Rob Graham. Um, so for those of you in the audience, um, whether live or uh, later on that's going to listen on. Um, This is not part of the regular uh, Thrive Bite season. Um, We're currently in season two right now. And obviously we decided to make a new um, on-air live show um, just to discuss what's happening in our current current, uh, environment right now um, with uh, the coronavirus. Today is March 24th, Tuesday, um, currently 6.05 Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern, and I have Dr. Chef Dr. Rob Graham, who is a dear friend, um, and he's also my very first guest um, when Thrive Bites actually launched. So thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, I love to be, I love to kind of Christian, Christian, uh, Christian uh, podcast and special edition podcast. So I thank you for the opportunity, Colin. It's, and it's always so good to, to reconnect with each other. Yeah, 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 definitely. So I'm uh, super excited um, as well. Um, unlike the regular season, I usually have uh, a lot of things scripted, prepared, and we have a more of a structure. But I decided that uh, for the very first on-air live uh, series uh, about COVID, um, the pandemic that we're having right now, that we're just going to be a little bit more off the cuff and you agree to be as such. So uh, we're just going to have fun with this and uh, just kind of do our part um, as healthcare providers um, to people that are out there, um, whether home isolation, quarantined, or just pretty much having more time, more space, um, you know, in inside, you know, whether it's in the physical space, but also addressing their internal world. Because um, uh, right now, uh, I think the last time that I checked the Johns Hopkins, um, you know, map uh, for all the active COVID-19 cases, we have about 420,000 confirmed cases, and uh, I think uh, about 18,615 currently um, at this moment. 
um, which is really, really sad. And, um, you know, obviously people are going through increasingly amounts of mental health um, issues and emotional health. And, um, you know, we want to be able to address that. We want to be able to, you know, reassure people, give people a little bit of peace um, and kind of offer our individual perspectives and our collective perspectives on how to improve our overall wellness, um, you know, from our experiences, um, you know, going forward. So uh, just to kind of uh, introduce yourself, remind uh, old uh, listeners uh, who you are, um, you know, who is Dr. Rob Graham and where are you calling from right now? Sure. Uh, yeah, well, thank you again, Colin, for this opportunity. Um, interestingly enough, we both sit in two of the hot spots of our country. And um, I think I, I hope to offer a unique perspective. Um, and so th- with that, I'll just introduce myself a little bit. So as, as Colin mentioned, I am a, a board certified physician, both in internal and integrative medicine. Uh, I've been doing integrative, holistic, functional medicine for about 15 years had the great opportunity of going to Harvard Medical School at the beginning of this movement of integrative medicine back in 2003. I learned what the best, um, but also what's really important to highlight, especially during this time, is that during my fellowship in integrative medicine, I obtained a master's in public health from the Harvard School of Public Health. So I, again, offer a very unique perspective because I am still a practicing physician at Fresh Med NYC, Fresh Medicine in New York City. Mm-hmm. With it, do about fifty percent of my time. I hope to be in business after this whole episode of coronavirus uh, waves through. Um, right. But I've had the great opportunity of consulting and working with city officials here in New York City um, over the past uh, two and a half weeks, as the public health scientists and researchers are starting to mobilize. Um, all their efforts into New York City. And um, as someone who's been married for almost 20 years now, uh, I listened to my wife who said, you need to get on to telemedicine at the beginning of March, where we started seeing this virus, this novel virus, which, you know, we can dive into that too, what that um, kind of coming across from China to Italy. And then unfortunately, settling um, in Seattle, but then really, 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 really exploding in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the great fortune of working with the Brooklyn Borough President, Eric Adams, who I think is uh, someone who you should watch, um, and on calls with him talking about telemedicine and what I think we have to do today. And I'm still fielding calls on telemedicine. Thank God we have that platform. Uh, to offer our patients access. And in fact, Colin, just before we got on air right now, I just got an email from someone. So right after this, I get to jump on a telemedicine call about a man who works in a grocery store chain uh, called PSK Supermarkets. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had the great fortune of their uh, CEO, Dan Katz, kind of hiring me on uh, to be their on-call doctor. And we got this guy who's 52 years old, recently um, diagnosed with diabetes in August. And as you know, Colin, you know, through lifestyle medicine, um, we were able to reverse his diabetes from an A1C of 13.1 to mm-hmm. an A1C of 5.9 within six months by adopting, you know, what we call the fresh model of healthcare, which is food, relaxation, exercise, sleep, and happiness. Mm-hmm. We call the fresh five. Yeah. 
That's that's awesome. Um, yeah, there's so many points to jump um, onto this, and I know that individuals, families, small business owners um, alike are definitely hurting. You know, you can see that the economy has tanked, the stock market um, has tanked. Um, you know, just globally, you know, we're just really, really hurting. Um, let's kind of go back to basics um, because you're you're definitely a basics you know type of guy, and um, I think we need to kind of figure out you know what is a virus, right? Um, not to go too much into microbiology, but I, I think a lot of people don't understand the differences between like a virus, a bacteria, or like a fungus, for example, right? So, what exactly is a virus, and how is it you know exactly transmitted? Yeah, so viruses are, uh, you know, a type of, in, a, a type of infection, um, and there are many different types of viruses. This one in particular is what they call an RNA virus, which is the most common. Um, most viruses are highly contagious, and I just want to pause a second because I also w want to recognize the fact that we are in the midst of the flu season, which mm -hmm. is also a virus. And I think we have to remember that, to our listeners out there, that not all cough, sneezing, runny nose, fevers is COVID. Um, mm. And, you know, viruses are highly contagious. Most of them are um, spread via what they call droplet exposure. That's why it's really important when you do have a quote-unquote cold, which is predominantly viral in nature, um, you have to cover your mouth when you cough and or sneeze because that's the number one way uh, that others can get infected. Um, right. Really important factor here because I get a lot of phone calls. And, I, you know, I know we're supposed to make this back and forth, Tom, and I know you're a doctor, you practice as well, is that many patients have been calling because they want an antibiotic for this cold or flu or virus. Right. You know, traditionally, which is really interesting to talk about because, as you're seeing, one of the emerging um, therapeutics is an antibiotic as well as an antimalarial drug, which um, is really interesting because traditionally – uh, antibiotics don't have any sort of effect or effect on viruses. Um, mm -hmm. So it's kind of an interesting perspective to think about as well. They're typically acute infections. They're short-lived. Um, they can last weeks, but they're really, really, really potentially deadly in patients and people with um, who are older as well as with chronic diseases. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And the thing is, is that, um, you know, similarly, I, uh, for those of the audience that are, you know, new to me, I practice, I'm board certified in family medicine and lifestyle medicine. And, uh, you know, I do bread and butter, you know, um, you know, general medicine, seeing uh, from young uh, kids to young adults, to adults, to geriatrics and elderly population. And antibiotics is, synonymously known to just be a kind of almost like a catch-all of an anti-infectious agent, an anti-infectious drug to pretty much treat everything. And, you know, without understanding the basic microbiology, um, you know, 
people who are not in the healthcare um, or medicine field won't really understand. And so viruses are in a class of their own. Bacteria are in a class of their own. Parasites, fung fungus are in a class of their own. And just to talk about, you know, more viruses itself, you know, going off of what Rob, Dr. Graham is talking about is they, particularly the coronavirus, they need a living host. So, so it's almost similar to like a parasite where they need to attach themselves, you know, to a living host in order to inject their genetic material, you know, and there's many different types. You have DNA, you have RNA, but you know, for them, for the coronavirus, it's an RNA virus, like, you know, Rob is saying, and they need to inject their genetic material in order to multiply and essentially, quote unquote, take over the host. And what pretty much, you know, it, it, what pretty much determines who's going to win in this kind of, quote unquote, battle and internal war is depending on that immune system, right? The immune system, two thirds of our immune system, for those of you who don't know, actually lives in our gut. And so we're going to talk about this a little bit more, but that's why gut health is super important in terms of, you know, maintaining um, and enhancing and optimizing in order to protect yourself. And, um, you know, Rob was, you know, correct, you know, for those of us that are more aging, 60 and above, um, for those of us that have a poor immune system, um, for example, diabetes, chronic, you know, cardiovascular disease, respiratory illnesses, that's why they're affected more. But we're actually seeing, because it's a novel uh, virus, you know, we're actually seeing um, more and more cases in the younger population. I think in New York, which is now the new epicenter, 5% of, you know, the world cases, you know, 55% of them are actually from 18 to 49 is what I heard two days ago. Yeah, I don't know if you just heard breaking news uh, within the last hour and a half, maybe, um, an 18-year-old kid in your neck of the woods uh, recently pa just passed. Yeah. So that's that's something that, you know, if, if we have people that are less than 40 listening, um, you know, it was driving me crazy. And, you know, and, and, and last week when I was speaking to um, the city officials of New York, you know, in, in, in on my Instagram and my Facebook and any way I can, my newsletters, was a really simple thing. You know, it's just to stay freaking home. Stay effing home. That's, that's <laughs> that, you know, it's like we're not asking you to go to war like we did back in the day during World War right. One. We're telling you to sit on your ass, stay home, and wait for the wave of this infection to go through. That's it. That's all you have to do. That's all we're yeah. asking. But, you know, you saw pictures of this, you know, this weekend I live near Central Park, and one of my friends uh, who is a volunteer park ranger at Central Park. He, he, he called me because he was appalled to see how many people were just enjoying a beautiful 65-degree day here in New York City. In, right. You know, in the midst of this epicenter. And then the knuckleheads down in Miami, you know, in Florida, hanging out, spring breaking, you know. And, yeah. And as you see what's happening in the past, probably the last three or four days, is that Florida has exploded. And I think what's happened and again, you know, using my hat as a public health official here, you know, this this virus entered New York um, not on March 10th, but probably in late February, early March. And again, asymptomatic carriers, people who don't have symptoms, were spreading it. And most of them are young millennials. And they went down to Miami and Florida and partied. And as mm -hmm. you know, in Florida, you know, what you brought up, Colin, is that there's an elderly population down there. And that's why we're seeing 
And that's what Dr. Bricks today on, uh, on TV said, is that now we're starting to see an epidemic uh, or explosion on new hotbed on Long Island. And so what New Yorkers are doing, they're getting out of town and they're going right. back. Um, it's the same thing that happened in Italy. We had a conversation with a friend of mine from England who watches the BBC, and they predict that the reason why Italy um, has suffered so greatly is because most of the industry and schools are from the north of Italy. Mm -hmm. And they closed northern Italy. Um, and as the culture of Italians are, they live multi-generationally -gener in their homes. And so that infected kid or young adult went down south and infected their entire house. And that's yeah. why saw a little staggering of the of the death rate um, outside of the nor northern part of Italy. Right, right, right. Yeah, so it's very interesting when you're looking at different regions. Um, you know, I, I definitely want to acknowledge for our listeners uh, that are coming in, uh, shout out to Paige and shout out to, <laughs> I think this person just typed in <laughs> their username, but thank you so much for uh, listening in. Um, you're on air on uh, Thrive Bites, and we're talking about the COVID-19 series, so thank you for listening in. Um, I wanted to say that um, it's interesting when you're looking at different pockets, right? Um, you know, China obviously came from, you know, Wuhan, and, um, you know, and uh, as of a few days ago, they've reported you know, really, really least amount, I think zero, if not one or two cases of new um, actual cases of active cases. And um, they actually had to close down um, hospitals because there wasn't enough patients to support it, right? Why can you speak to why, you know, that, you know, why is there, you know, decreasing amount of new cases and why we are having increasing amount of cases over here? Well, I think, in, you know, in, in, in it's just a, it, it's how the nature of um, the spreading happens. And so, well, before we go into that, Colin, I think it's also important to realize that they've actually seen a recent increase in China from people who now come back. Getting to your same point. Yeah. People that are potentially asymptomatic carriers that can infect others. And that's why social social. And I, I like to call it physical distancing instead of social distancing, because that's something we should talk about as well. Because right. out of there's an epidemic of isolation and, and loneliness that's happening yes. prior to this, which is now just being magnitude. You know, mm -hmm. and, um, and I know we want to talk the second half of this kind of conversation on on the fact that you know we we have to take care of oneself. You know, with fresh, we always say that um, healthcare is uh, self care is the best form of healthcare, and no better time to get into that at this point. And going back to your point about immunity, you know, I remember back in um, medical school, but even in, in elementary and, and middle school, you know, we learned about Petri dishes. Um, mm -hmm. You put some sort of bacteria or some sort of fungus on some Petri dish, which is a growing medium. And that's really what we're talking about here, right? And that's why people with weakened immune systems are able to grow this um, like fire, because their immune system has been diminished, and they're a a, a very hot bed. Uh, uh, think about it with petri dish. They're a horrible host, uh, horrible petri dish, um, and so we're starting to see um, that back in China. That with forcing social distancing or physical distancing was yeah. probably their best, best, really rudimentary, right? Public health point of view, like washing your hands. 
you know, other things that are really seeing you. These are not the big medications that are saving people's lives. It's really these like, rudimentary public health initiatives like wearing seatbelts, you know, things like that really save lives more than any sort of medication. Right. Self-care really comes into play. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, for those of you that are listening and just joining in, again, you know, we are reemphasizing of how this actually works, you know, in terms of how it's spread, you know, transmission wise, you know, aer aerosolized droplets, right? When you cough and sneeze, you know, a lot of that stuff that comes out is actually traveling. Um, the last time I looked at it was probably like 50 or 60 miles per hour. And it just literally just floats in the air and then softly lands on any type of surface. Right. And like we talked about before, um, you know, it needs a living host in order to spread its genetic material. But how does it do that? So when we don't wash our hands or we don't wear masks, what we're essentially doing is that you're touching, you know, the actual virus. And then we're also scratching our face, you know, uh, wiping our mouths, you know, sniffling, you know, rubbing our noses and, you know, uh, rubbing our eyes. And that's how you know, it gets into us, right? Those are called mucosal surfaces, surfaces, and that's how it gets into us. And, um, you know, in, a point about the young millennials and the ones that are, uh, you know, asymptomatic carriers or having no symptoms, um, what we're actually saying is that they may actually have it without testing. They may even have a mild course of it, right? Kind of like a seasonal flu, Right. But the thing is, is that if they are carriers, which we also called vectors, um, you know, they can easily spread it to other people that have poor immune systems. That's the reason why there's new cases um, in Florida, because Florida is known to harbor a larger senior population. And when you have spring breakers, for example, that are just, you know, running around, touching everyone and, you know, not practicing physical distancing, like you're saying, Rob, it's spreading, you know? And so that's why I want to reiterate to other people that physical distance, not just social distancing is super, super important. So. Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. I think a couple of things from like what they call uh, migration is what happened is, is, is I saw on TV, you know, and I, you know, this is not about politics or anything, but we start seeing certain statements that, you know, political officials make, like our president and others um, that are, I think, ultimately, I think they're really well-intended, but you know, misinformed. And I think what I saw when you start seeing these, everyone get back to America. Did you see that, Colin? Did you see yeah. how many people, millions of people, thousands of people were crowded in airports mm -hmm. in China and Italy and all over the world coming into 13 hotspots? And guess where two of them were? Right where you and I live. One is yeah. LAX and one is JFK. And then on top of that, so now all those people where the recommendation from the host country was to socially distance, now they're being corralled into customs. And I, just, right. I was like, holy shit, this is going to be horrible. <laughs> and then on top of that, you know, you think about New York and you start seeing that the, the, the snowbirds 
you know, uh, if they came back, they, they headed back down south, you know, yeah. boom, you know, all it takes, you know, and that's, 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 it, man. that's yeah, thing just blew up, you know? Yeah. Um, and and the and the thing is is that I want to add to your point is that you know one of the reasons um, you know why China has been uh, effective in terms of decreasing lowering the um, amount of new active cases is because they literally put the entire country on lockdown, whereas the U.S. You know, we've been late on this and, you know, two like two states at a time, three states at a time. We're not aligned with each other in terms of locking the entire country down. So what you're doing is that you're mitigating the risk. You're decreasing the amount of transition, but over a longer period of time until the actual states can say, hey, we need to lock things down. And that's why there's more and more new cases and we just start rolling out new testing or more uh, testing. And um, it's just not happening fast enough. And, you know, we just needed this to happen two, three months ago when it needed to be taken more seriously. So people can not die uh, needlessly like this. Yeah. And I, I just want to mention two things, too. Um, you know, they, there's an old saying that you're only the strongest, your weakest link. And one of the things that really has this this has exposed is that our weak public health system. Um, we really don't have a public health system that is able to mobilize um, appropriately and in a timely fashion when some sort of public health crisis explodes. And you know, as a doctor here, you know that's been doing telemedicine. This morning, I just got to bring this up because this morning I woke up to a patient who I've known I've known for years and. Um, actually, through lifestyle medicine, but also through an integrative approach, she's been able to put her lupus in remission um, mm-hmm. thing, um, using uh, Plaquenil, um, hydroxychloroquine, mm-hmm. and she, this morning, literally hysterical crying that she called her pharmacy. She called me about a week ago to get a refill, and I assumed that I, she just refilled it, but she was unable to find it, and so she started calling her CVS, her Dwayne Reed, her mom and pops, everywhere, and she can't find it. Now, it could be because, you know, people are hoarding it, but again, this is to the docs out there, is that it's a prescription, so they could only get it from us, number one. Number two, I also heard that the government is stockpiling it because of these clinical trials and for the potential explosion of it. So that's something I just want to mention, too, is that, believe me, she is she needs it now, and we may need it you know, from our listeners out there. But I just want to be mindful of the fact that, you know, people are suffering today with these diseases like lupus and rheumatoid arthritis, arthritis where Plaquenil and hydroxychloroquine have been lifesavers. And I think it's really selfish to think about it that way. The other part I want to mention is that, you know, um, I'm sorry I'm going off on a ramp, riff here, but I no, it's okay. things that really, you know, ticked me off that I've been hearing about is that, for example, last week, um, a patient called who taught She's a, an, a fitness instructor. She's 72 years old. She teaches silver sneakers. She's the cutest thing. And she called because she's been laid off. And obviously, without a job in America, our insurance, our health insurance and medical coverage are tied to our jobs. And now without a job, she went from being covered to having no coverage. And now we can always argue the fact that there is a stimulus bill and everything else, and it's still the end of the month. But the reality is this. She has asthma. She has lung disease. And she needs to go fill her ad there. Her advert is no longer covered uh, because she doesn't have health insurance. And she ended, up, she ended up having to pay $256 for a woman who's 72 years old, 
who still was working, you know, vibrant. And now yeah. this is another issue, right? That our healthcare is tied to our jobs. And, you know, I've been a for, I've been, a, I've been a fan of healthcare reform for probably 20 years. Um, I'm not saying there's any right plan, any right way to do it, but clearly when 80 million, 80 million, 80 million people are without health insurance and now people that have lost their jobs due, due to this have now find them, found themselves without health care, this is really, a, again, a public health crisis that we have to talk about how, particularly in this year when we're talking about health reform, is that yeah. we have to look at some sort of public health um, insurance plan, a public option, Medicare for all, whatever you want to call it, but there has to be some sort of safety net because somehow we found six trillion dollars, right? When we're talking about you know healthcare would cost a one million, one trillion dollars if we would cover everyone. So it's an interesting, unfortunately, um, weak link in our in our healthcare system where yeah. you know this again, you know, I apologize, but it's just something that I'm, I'm hearing about, and I think we have to bring up because it's, it's yeah. really. These are phone calls that shouldn't be happening in the midst of this crisis, but people are crying, calling me about this. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I just want to acknowledge uh, pretty much our healthcare workers, staff, and providers out there. Um, you know, I don't know uh, for our listeners that are not in the healthcare world, you know, we are desperately hurting for supplies and, um, you know, s- staffing and all this other stuff. Um, you know, just in the last week, um, you know, when more and more testing was rolling out and more and more of the lockdown and stay at home isolation was being ordered, um, what you find is that officers are closing down, businesses are closing down, and people are having less and less options to go to. So what they'll do is that they will crowd the ERs and hospitals with any type of symptom, whether it's like a fever, cough, or, or shortness of breath. And it's hard, you know, to be able to decipher any of that. And the testing, we don't even know if you know, if, if it's, you know, really, really accurate or not, I know just recently they just rolled out with a 45 minute uh, testing um, that's going to be implemented in ERs and hospitals. But, um, you know, what hospitals are, are, we're having lack of supplies, right? We're having lack of surgical masks. We're having lack of PPEs, which are personal protective equipment. And, you know, we are not having enough federal help and support in, you know, helping the healthcare system right now, which is really hurting. And so that adds to your point about not just in terms of insurance, but, you know, what happens when we're in a crisis like this, right? And it's basically food for thought about, you know, when the next uh, election comes up, how this is going to all play out. Um, But I want to shift gears a little bit and actually talk about, you know, wellness. And, you know, the title of our series is Staying Well Amongst COVID-19. And uh, for those of you that are hopping on again, um, you know, thank you for listening. Uh, I'm here with Dr. Rob Graham. You're calling out of uh, Brooklyn or Queens? Where are you at right now? Um, Manhattan. Manhattan. Okay. And, uh, you know, he is uh, out of uh, his practice is uh, Fresh Med NYC. Um, he's very active on social media, uh, currently doing telemedicine and helping his population uh, right now. So I really thank him for taking the time out to kind of speak. But um, this series is definitely the centerpiece is really staying well. And uh, obviously, 
um, people who already have a baseline of, you know, emotional health issues, emotional, uh, mental health problems like anxiety, depression, obviously is going to be amplified with all this. Where, you know, where do we start in terms of, um, you know, giving advice in terms of how to look at our current you know, crises right now and how to reframe it, right? How to reshift one's perspective in terms of how to look at this, because this is obviously unprecedented, um, you know, for some or for most unexpected, but, you know, it, it, it still represents a life's obstacle. It still represents a life's event, similar to someone passing on or like a traumatic event, like a car accident, right? But this is something on a larger scale. So how would you, I want you to uh, help us start the conversation of like, how do we reframe, you know, uh, this and how do we get on the path of improving our emotional wellness? Yeah, I, I, it's so important. I'm so glad that, you know, we've started almost going down that, that, that negative medical way of looking at things. But I think it's important to have that, you know, that first half of, half of our conversation about the real issues that are happening uh, on, um, on, the, on TV and in our real lives. So, but, you know, as you know, Colin, this is why we met, you know, we met at, we met at culinary school when, I, you know, where um, really as, as important as every other component of, of well-being, I, you know, we, we, we hook on and we connect on the aspect of food and cooking. Um, but I just want to, I want to start off by saying that if, if you haven't followed me on Freshman NYC on, on Instagram, about yesterday, my mom, who is 81 years old, um, she heard that healthcare workers needed um, a mask, a surgical mask or some sort of mask barrier. And so with her crippled arthritic hands, she opened up her sewing machine and started making masks. And, mm. um, and she's always taught me, and I think this is a, a great intro into this, is because she's always has taught us that, you know, she's an immigrant woman from El Salvador who came here and, you know, from one of those shithole countries called El Salvador um, that our president likes to call and she's made it, you know, and she, she raised a, a two young, two young men, still call myself young men. Uh, <laughs> always, man, always. <laughs> basically, one of her models was don't wait for help, you be the help. And yeah. I think it's really important, and I think this is where I think we should focus, you know, the next part of our conversation on is that going back to my point that, you know, with Fresh, you know, we literally spell out a Fresh Care model for patients and for people, you know, self-care is the best form of healthcare. And, and, and if you don't mind, I just like to go through them because I think it's really important to have a refresher as we call it. Um, and we need a fresh start because again, we can't wait for others to change us. We have to be the change. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before you do that, I want to applause your, your mom uh, real quick. So I think, I think she deserves a round of applause. So thank her yeah. for us. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, going back to that point that, you know, health is the greatest wealth, you know, by Virgil. I think it's really important to understand that, you know, we can't wait on medicine to help us. We have to be our own kind of um, advocate and, and, and preach and be the healthiest we can because, you know, medicine doesn't do that. Uh, it's called a medical insurance card. It's not called a health insurance card. Um, and so, you know, when it comes to our model called Fresh, you know, we often say with, when it comes to food, eat more plants. But I also like to say, especially, especially during this time, you know, it's if you don't know how to cook, you're at a disadvantage. Um, and I think it's time for us to 
uh, go back to our roots and get back into the kitchen. Um, and I think that's really an important factor to consider. And, and I know you have tons of recipes. I know we've actually cooked together, Colin, mm-hmm. times. And I think for my brother-in-law, for example, who doesn't know how to cook, he's at a disadvantage. And, yeah. Um, Why? Let's talk about that. Why is it a disadvantage for preparing your meals at home versus how before coronavirus hit, you know, when we were just basically outsourcing everything because honestly america united states of america i'm a first generation chinese born american my parents you know came from southern china and hong kong and um you know i was blessed with you know both of them cooking in the kitchen but let's talk about why you know why is it at a disadvantage you know for for people that don't know how to cook well as you as we learn in culinary school right is that you know there's three things that make food taste good fat sugar and salt Right. Those are the three basic blocks. Right. You can argue spices and other things, but fat, sugar and salt. And, you know, obviously a restaurant is there and there's a movement going on in terms of health supportive. And that's why we're so blessed to go to a culinary school where, you know, Henry Colvin, the founder, really focused on health supportive and just not the French cuisine of mm-hmm. optimizing flavor by optimizing fat, sugar and salt. And so therefore, I always believe that if, if, if when you cook, you're in control of the ingredients. Um, and I think that's a big, that's a big component. And especially now where there is this sense of, is it safe to eat out? Is it safe to take out, to pick up takeout? Is it safe to eat, you know, prepared foods? I think this is really an important time to start thinking about simple things that you can do in the kitchen to take more control over your health and well-being by by determining what you put in your mouth, which goes, again, back to your point that you originally mentioned, that two-thirds of our immune system is in our gut, and what is the greatest influence of our gut health? What we put in it. Exactly. And so, so therefore, I think people who don't know how to cook um, um, are are suffering. And again, you know, we are a processed food nation. You know, 63% of our foods, our calories consumed, are from processed foods. Where I think you know there's movements, um, and again, I, you know, again, total full disclosure. I'm working with a company called Performance Kitchen, where we're trying to make all of our frozen meals affordable, accessible, uh, convenient, and tasty by op- adopting more a, of a plant-forward approach and minimizing the bad stuff um, in, in our in our diet in America. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would also like to add to that is that, you know, this is what I tell my patients, you know, for those of you uh, that are hopping on, um, you know, I practice family medicine. I work um, in a uh, physician uh, group office type of setting um, here in Los Angeles. And um, what I tell my patients is that, um, you know, when you prepare your own foods at home, you know what goes into, you know, your food. Okay. And when we're talking about prepare, it, it, it goes a long way. You know, we're not expecting people to be, you know, you know, like the celebrity chefs on Food Network or Michelin star chefs. We're, we're not we're not talking about that. We're talking about preparing simple meals with simple ingredients with the least amount of, you know, um, hassle. Right. And the other emphasis I want to put is that you know, when I teach my patients is that when you're eating out, you're essentially outsourcing, right? You're outsourcing to the takeouts, the deliveries, you know, to the restaurants, to the fast food, you know, obviously during this pandemic, you know, it's a different story, right? But when you're outsourcing, the point I want to make is that you don't know what goes into your food, 
you don't know what actually goes in the kitchen. Some companies, some restaurants do the extra mile in terms of, you know, writing up a nutrition facts um, and what goes into your food, which is great. But at the very least, you know, they're going to be using cutting corners and, you know, uh, using the cheapest ingredients because at the end of the day, they want to save money. And at the end of the day, it's all about making money, right? They're not there to look after your health. So what me and Dr. Rob is saying is that, you know, we have to, you know, if you don't know how to cook in the kitchen, you got to learn. There's so many great, um, you know, uh, uh, tutorials, recipes, videos, just go on YouTube and just type in any recipe and you'll find something, right? So that's important to know. And, you know, to start in the kitchen, this is literally the best time if you've been putting it off to kind of get started. Hey guys, we're gonna be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. Um, the next the next thing I wanna talk about is, um, you know, what about in terms of like, you know, meditation or yoga or, you know, just simple breathing techniques in terms of, you know, if someone is feeling anxious um, or is really stressed out or really has a perception that, you know, we can't really control our environment right now. Yeah, so perfect. Because again, yeah, thank, thank you for the layup there because in the fresh model, the R is relaxation. <laughs> and so that worked out well. So I think, you know, many people have been, you know, uh, wanting to learn about relaxation, meditation, yoga, you know, get out of your own head, turn off the TV, stop thinking about things. And, you know, the science of mind-body medicine, you know, uh, again, you know, I, I had the great fortune of studying with those great minds of, like John Kabat-Zinn and Herbert Benson back in the early 2000s, where we understood that we do have a stress response, but we have an equal and opposite and powerful relaxation response, which is driven by our parasympathetic nervous system. And we all have felt it. It's the thing that, you know, when you, for me, again, going back to cooking, Colin, I find meditation in mesenplas. I find meditation in, in, in setting up what I'm about to make, in cutting, in, in knife skills, and in preparation. And, and, and that gets me out of my own head. Mm-hmm. And make, spend my time and ultimately I realize, oh my God, I've been kind of, dicing and chopping and chiffonading for the last 15 minutes and i'm like wow i I just i was just in a flow experience where i tapped into that relaxation response and then so i think it's really important for people to find that relaxation response and it could be through meditation it could through uh through yoga um it could be through poetry i was just on a podcast last week with someone uh really got a great guy named jeremy goldberg who uh really talks about um, poetry as medicine. And I think we all know it and we all have felt it. Um, But if you haven't, this is a great time to tap into something that takes your mind away from the chatter, uh, the monkey mind. And so, and again, there's tons of free apps. And what I love and we promote a lot in our, in our fresh program is um, de-stress Monday on Instagram. They have great gifts. And again, it's about controlling the breath, controlling the mind, because mm-hmm. it'll be about every three seconds, there's an intrusive thought that comes in. And so when people often say, I can't meditate, I don't have the attention span, 
Well, we don't. It's a practice. And the more you do it, the correct. Yeah, definitely. It, it really is a practice. And, you know, I mean, I myself get frustrated, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, life is, you know, we say that it can be short, but it, but it can also be very long, right? And so it's important to kind of set up these pillars. You know, Dr. Rob Graham, he has this fresh model, right? Every letter represents something different. And, um, you know, it's important to, you know, emphasize that foundation. This is what I teach my patients all the time, right? And so a part of it is also relationships. I think we're at a time where, you know, we, you know, have a chance, an opportunity, you know, let's look at the pauses from the coronavirus pandemic, you know, an opportunity to rekindle those relationships. I can't tell you in the last week and a half of how many people I had, I called, you know, in terms of old friends, you know, old colleagues that reached out to me, um, you know, new colleagues that reached out to me in terms of, you know, just re just making sure that you're okay. Right. And this is interesting because um, this is interesting because, uh, you know, we before the Internet, before social media, we had neighbors. Right. We still have neighbors, but neighbors that no longer visit each other. Right. I mean, I grew up in, you know, central New Jersey, you know, suburbia. So, you know, we, you know, I didn't really know, knew my neighbors growing up. Right. Um, and I, you know, I was born in the early eighties. And um, my point is, is that, you know, now with the advent of internet and social media, we have the chance and the phone, you know, we forget about the phone. We have a chance to bridge that gap. Right. So because we are practicing physical distancing, we have to reinforce relationships. There was a um, Harvard study. Um, I think it was like 70 or 75 year long study and about happiness. Right. And, um, you know, what they find was that, you know, maintaining and reinforcing those relationships is one of the key factors in terms of, you know, how do we, you know, maintain and, you know, optimize our happiness. And, um, you know, that's really what it is, is, you know, emphasizing that, you know, so this gives you an opportunity, whether, you know, you have a poor, you know, family uh, unit or marriage unit or something like that to be able to, you know, literally, you know, take it to the next level. It doesn't matter where you started, but I think that's important to, you know, get, you know, take this opportunity to rekindle that. Uh, uh, and a hundred percent. Absolutely. You know, and one of the couple of things I want to touch on that is that, uh, you know, my parents are in their eighties and um, they have a cell phone and, I called my dad and I said, dad, hey, listen, instead of answering, press that button that you've never pressed called FaceTime, you know, when I call and he did. And Colin, <laughs> it was like, uh, he was like, oh, my God, I can see you and my mother. The, the, you know, <laughs> and it's a great time that, you know, we're all stepping outside of our comfort zones. Um, and I think, you know, for your elder audience right now is that experiment with FaceTime and Zoom and other platforms that really, you know, I wish, you know, we, if we can't physically touch and see each other, at least we can do it through using, you know, this sort of media, you know, right now that, you know, from now on, I'm going to FaceTime my parents. I'm not going to just speak to them. I'm going to FaceTime them so I can see them, you know? So I think that's an important factor. And of course, you know, we have in, in the fresh, we have the e, e and S, but I just want to jump into what you're talking about, the H, you know, and I think oftentimes the H in our fresh model is happiness. And 
the great Chris Peterson, uh, one of the founders of Positive Psychology, which, you know, Julie's, that's Julie's uh, uh, sweet spot, uh, which he's an expert in, um, it's it, it surmised in three simple words, other people matter. Um, and that's really what's important at this point. You know, your job, you know, is important, but what really, what really gives us joy and happiness, going back to that study you mentioned from the Harvard uh, study of de- adult development study, mm-hmm. classic one, it's actually a TED Talk as well, mm-hmm. that, you know, other people matter. And the fact that just because we're physically dissing ourselves right now, we still can be in touch and we can still connect with others. And, you know, how about back in the day when you used to write a letter? Yes. Yes. I remember a pen pal. I remember my third grade pen pal and how it was fantastic to be able to receive it, you know, in, you know, snail mail or the postal service um, and to receive that uh, letter and to open up the, the piece of paper. Right. Because a piece of pieces of paper are different, you know, uh, where you come from and the handwriting and everything. It was just it just felt it just gave me so many different types of nostalgia and so many different types of feelings in terms of like, wow, I may not see this person in real life, but I was able to connect because this person took the time to actually wrote you know, a, a handwritten letter and mail it to me, you know, and, um, you know, obviously with the internet and email and all that stuff, we, we've made our li- lives very automated and very expedited, right? But we have to remind ourselves that, you know, there are the little things that matter the most. And, you know, those are the little things. I mean, my mother, she's still, you know, hand, hand, hand writes, uh, birthday cards to me. She puts, she makes picture collages, <laughs> you know, of, of, of me growing up every single year. So as if I didn't, I, as if I wasn't there. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but yeah, I think, you know, and, and yeah, just kudos to your mom too, who's obviously raised a wonderful son, but just an amazing woman in, 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 um, in her own right. And I'm wishing her well as well, you know, because I know she, you know, she's a traditional Chinese medicine doc and, um, you know, we're all going through a tough time because obviously in medicine, including Chinese medicine, which I, is one of the original forms of medicine, you know, the human connection and the touching and, you know, just going back to telemedicine, you know, it's interesting. People are postponing their follow-up appointments because they want to see me. They, they, they want right. that. That, that connection that fortunately, and it's a blessing as physicians, that we have that opportunity to really co- connect with patients in that very intimate, vulnerable, you know, experience. Um, it's really important. So I want to talk about happiness because I, I just got to give a shout out to Julie here because she has a book called The ABCs of Positive, Psych- po- Positive Psychology. Um, and it really, it's... it's tell, it tell the audience who Julie is. So Julie is my wife of almost 20 years, which our 20-year wedding um, (laughs) anniversary. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, we can. We can. It it still happens in today's society. (laughs) We're in a stable, uh, happy relationship. We got married June 5th, 2000, which we were going to go back to Hawaii on June 5th to celebrate. But because of this effing virus, we can't go. 
Um, so we have to celebrate in another way. But she actually did a really cool um, exper uh, um, experiment, and, and, and she wrote a book on it. It's on iTunes. And basically, it, it, it's based on positive psychology. And I, in, I invite all the listeners to go to her uh, Instagram page called Positively Psyched. Um, and she's all about finding her way home. And that's what she really wants people to know, that we have the power to be happy. And she basically, what she did was go through the alphabet, the ABCs, and identify words that have been scientifically proven to optimize your well-being and, and make you north of neutral, which is, one of, again, one of the pillars of positive psychology. Positive psychology is the science of, of human and community uh, well-being and what makes communities and, and people and communities thrive. Um, and it's really a powerful tool that she uses in her health coaching practice because, you know, we all think we want to be happy, but most of us, in fact, are just blah. And mm. I think, you know, going north of that neutral is really important, particularly now, because something else she always, always often mes mentions is that there's always a bless in the mess. And I think this goes back to your point, Colin, is that even during these tough times, we have to find the bless in this mess because that, that is ultimately what's going to get us through this. Um, and, and so I think that's something I just wanted to bring up because, um, we often, you know, want the promotion, but you know, what really makes us happy is the people that we surround ourselves with. Um, right. and for those who are unfortunately, um, surrounding themselves with very toxic people, which I see is happening as well. You know, domestic violence is increasing, child mm -hmm. abuse is starting seeing that kind of shit going on. And I think, you know, I, I, I pray for those people that we get through this because ultimately um, that is an, a reality that we don't want to talk about right now because we are confined um, into our homes. And sometimes our homes are not our safe spot. Like, like you That's know, we, we had the blessing of being raised in a very happy, uh, healthy home life, you know, both of us. Um, but many people don't have that home life. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I had a good friend of mine. Uh, she works um, as a special eds teacher. And when the schools started to close down, um, you know, she actually started to worry because she knew of a lot of kids, you know, school is actually their haven as opposed wow. to being at home. You know, not all of us were fortunate enough to be raised by, you know, good intentioned uh, parents. And some of them are alcoholics. Some of them are drug addicts, you know. And if you can imagine um, not being in school where they have a decent meal or certain resources, counselors, um, and going back to that environment. So it's, um, you know, it's it's an unfortunate event that we're facing. And um, I think globally, we are needing to reshift and reframe how we look at different things. And, um, you know, this has definitely changed all of our lives. And um, I'm hoping, you know, in a more positive sense, you know, gives us an opportunity to reflect and, you know, kind of look at what we've been doing and, you know, kind of see, you know, what is it that we can improve on, not just for ourselves, but also for our fellow man, our fellow neighbor, our fellow, you know, friend and family member, because at the end of the day, we may look different on the outside, but we're all the freaking the same on the inside. And guess what? We all live on the same planet. So, you know, 
you know, climate change has also been, you know, a hot topic. I'm not going to get into that, but, you know, we have to do our part to help each other out and help, you know, the environment that we live on um, as well. So totally, totally, you know, um, we can, we can part two, we can talk about how, how coronavirus could be, you know, related to climate change. I took this class when I was getting my MPH called the impact of climate change on human health. And again, that was back in 2003, you know, when yeah. it was called global warming and everybody thought that Gore was a quack, you know, and it's again, thinking about, you know, vector diseases, you know, that are transmitted through vectors and, you know, we're having, you know, climate change has a huge impact and, a, and I, I guarantee it has a major role uh, in what's happening in today's society. But Colin, I know, you know, our, our time is somewhat limited, but I just wanted to mention the fact that ENS, the exercise and sleep, because oftentimes we think about going to Equinox and going to the fitness gym and, and going on to what I call the dreadmill and the swear master. But oftentimes it's going back to the old school. Guess what I've been doing? <laughs> what? Dips, push-ups, jumping jacks. <laughs> you know? Yeah, the basics. No, it, it's basics. I tell my patients, push-ups, pull-ups, right? Squats, lunges, you know, like basic skills, basic, you know, workout skills that work multiple, you know, body parts. And it's simple. You don't need a gym, dumbbells, or even bands. I mean, like, sure, those are nice, but using your own body resistance. And, you know, it's important to be functional it's important to continue to move because the expression that expression is is correct it's like if you don't move you lose it you know what i'm saying so we have to keep moving we have to keep thriving um you know i want to uh thank you for coming onto the show rob um tell the audience um you know where they can find you where they can look you up um and what you're doing right now for sure i just want to finish s if you don't take naps, now is the perfect time to take a nap. Sleep seven to eight hours a night. And if you don't, do it now. You have the opportunity to. <laughs> yeah. So I just want to say thank you. You know, again, thank you so much. Um, I am, you know, I still practice pa seeing patients at FreshMed NYC in New York City. Actually, uh, about four months ago, we launched a online university called FreshMedU, freshmedu.com. It's all about you. It's all about self-care. It's because people really want to know about the pillars and the ingredients that we talked about. Um, and again, we were about to launch a book called The Fresh Five. We had a phone call with our publisher, Simon & Schuster. And we really just really want people to take care of themselves because we can't wait for the government to do it. We have to take care of ourselves now and we all can do our part. But more importantly than anything, stay home, everyone. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Um, guys, my name is Colin Zhu. Um, I'm host of the Thrive Bites uh, regular season. Um, this has been our first live show. Thank you so much for listening on. And, uh, you know, we will see you on the next one. We're going to have a next show uh, tomorrow evening. All right. Thanks again, Rob. Awesome, brother. Anytime. Stay safe. All stay right. well. Stay fresh. Same to all you guys listeners. Thank you so much for listening on. Hey guys, that was another episode of Thrive Bites. If you like that episode, please subscribe and follow weekly for new episodes. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts.